0: Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we welcome back John Espy, co-founder and CEO of Level. Um, As you heard last week, Level has had some fantastic success over the course of the last five years out of a pivot from a previous company called Reward Summit. Last week, we spent most of our time talking about the track level levels had, when it pivoted, how they're growing, and what the future looks like with them. So this week, I wanted to pivot ourselves and I wanted to focus a little bit more on the Charlotte entrepreneur community. Um, He's had a couple of successes that he's been a part of. He's had a not success or if we want to go so far as to call it as a failure with reward summit obviously it led to levels so i don't know if you call it a failure or a learning experience but anyways i wanted to get john's take on you know entrepreneurship in the charlotte region because i thought he he'd, he'd served that conversation well knowing that he's been a part of it for so long on both sides of the coin right so i don't know stick around to the end of this conversation as john and i touch base on something that I want to explore further over the course of the next couple of months. But we touch base and, and briefly discuss why Charlotte can't seem to promote its own startup successes like Avid, Passport, Deal Cloud, Map Anything, Stratified, um, Red Ventures. And the list goes on and on, right? I mean, there's a fair amount of successes and we don't see it in the in the in the newspaper. And so John and I touch base on that. We obviously also, you know, we, we spend some time on a topic that initially got us together, which is what's necessary to Charlotte's entrepreneur community, more investors or more entrepreneurs. Um, we talked a little bit about how do you get entrepreneurs into Charlotte? Do we need to import them or can we can we attract them out of the banks or, or other large companies here? We talk a little bit about what's John's advice for, for folks trying to, to raise money. Or raise capital here in Charlotte. We talk about how a startup you know, makes its way when we don't have a big research university like a, you know, Carolina or Duke or NC State. I mean, UNCC is growing, but it's not there yet. We also don't have a medical university. So, what does John think we have a, as a community to to promote for entrepreneurs and? And the conversation goes on and on. So a really, really solid interview with John. Again, I think you'll get great perspective from him today and certainly hope that you enjoy today's podcast. So, John, welcome back to the show. Certainly enjoyed the first part of our interview and excited to dig here into the second part as well.
1: Thank you. I enjoyed it as well, William.
0: So in the first part, I mean, obviously we talked a lot about level, um, the success that you've had over the course of the last couple of years. Um but any success story starts off with one or two entrepreneurs. And that was actually kind of how you and I connected on LinkedIn not too long ago was a blog post that you'd written about the need for entrepreneurs here in Charlotte. And there's the conversation that circles a lot these days and you actually saw it on your blog post, which was um, do you need entrepreneurs first or do you need money first or sure. um, investors first? Um, so just Kind of highlight your blog a little bit in this conversation and sure. your experience, and and then let's kind of discuss how this thing develops over the course of the next couple years for Charlotte.
1: Absolutely. So I was trying to make a couple points in in the blog post. It was titled VC and the QC. Yeah. Um, so looking at venture capital, the state of venture capital in the Queen City, and it was really born for me out of a frustration of I hear folks complaining about a lack of venture capital here, and My point is venture capital isn't looking for an address. It's looking for returns. And to get returns, it needs to find entrepreneurs. And I think we've got some of the finest examples in Charlotte of companies where this has happened. Um, Whether you look at Avid Exchange and and the money that that they've been able to raise – through VC all the way into private equity, and they even raised some money from the um, IMAF, if I'm not mistaken, in the it's very early days.
0: Predecessor to that was Cap Charlotte okay. and the
1: Partners. Yeah, so, yeah. so, um and, and, and then when you look at Passport, they've attracted uh, two rounds of venture capital funding, and recently a large private equity investment from Bain. Yeah. Um, and, and my point, really, in the article was. Uh, just to start a dialogue about, is, is venture capital really to blame? Is a lack of venture capital really holding anybody back in, in, in our city? And it was interesting to see the, the feedback. It was, it was one of my more read blog posts, but it was certainly also more controversial with folks who maybe thought that I was trying to say, we don't need venture capital, we yeah. don't want it. That's not the message. The message to me is, entrepreneurs will find venture capital, no matter where they are located. Yeah, um, It may be a little bit, it may require a little bit more um, talent to get venture capital in a city like Charlotte than it might in another city. But my experience is the successful entrepreneurs are 10 to 100x better than the non-successful ones. And I don't, you know, I just don't know that there's anybody who's really on the edge where, hey, if they had been in an Austin or in a New York or in Palo Alto, that they would have raised
0: the money. Yeah. Um, Or they would have raised the money and still would have gone failure, right? Sure. Um, But how do you get, so um, on the concept, right? I mean, everybody's, we're still on the tail end of Amazon saying no, we're still getting over that. The startup scene over the course of the last five years has continued to grow, Mm -hmm. some would say at a frustrating pace, but it's at least growing. Sure. How do you get more entrepreneurs here? And you ended that last podcast talking about, I think something which is extremely relevant in this conversation, which is uh, the level of talent that we have downtown and Duke and America and a lot of these other companies. And there's some really smart people here, really good ideas. How do you get those people out of the towers and into a startup? Sure.
1: And, and, And that is the question ultimately to, to, to me, how do you, how do you get those out? And I think one, one surefire way is a, a couple of massive success stories. If avid exchange IPOs and you have 500 millionaires running around town and a handful of billionaires and you've got all of, and, and, and people see this very visibly, yeah. then I, I think that that is, that is the absolute best thing that could happen to convince somebody, Hey, I'm ready to I'm ready to, to, to leave my my cushy bank or energy job, my my cushy office job, um, and, and I came from D.C. where that happened very very, um, in a very meaningful way with AOL. Yeah. Um, everybody knew an AOL millionaire. Many people knew an AOL billionaire. Yeah. And it isn't just the money that 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 put that that type of big exit kicks out that makes things better. It's also just people start to gain a confidence that, hey, this can be done here. But it's also, you have all of these people who saw it happening from the inside. We saw it on a smaller scale. I mentioned my old, the old company that I was the COO of, Amentra. There, um, there are four or five companies like Level that are out there that came from people who came out of that experience. One was just sold to Cap One a couple weeks ago, a machine learning company called Notch. Okay. Um, and then there's a couple government contracting firms. Same thing I mentioned, Ironworks, our competitor. There's three or four world-beating companies that are out there right now. And again, that's on a much smaller scale. But the reality is when you have that big success story, and I think that's what's lacking in Charlotte right now, is we can't point to one. We can point to LendingTree. We can point to Yap. Those were successful exits, but they weren't the game changer that you might see. Yeah. With a Facebook or with a Twitter or with with even an, an AOL, frankly,
0: yeah. I kid around. You a college basketball fan? I am. Uh, so bill, right? Yep. So eventually there's going to be a Pragerville here in Charlotte. Absolutely. Where everybody's <laughs> camping out in front of his house looking for when's that when's that IPO going to happen? I know. right? So <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Um, but but the good news is they aren't they aren't the only
1: ones, right? We, yeah. We've got red. Red Ventures is certainly a homegrown, wonderful success story. And, and, I, and I honestly believe Passport and Map Anything, uh, Commerce Signals, there are some really great companies that are out there that could that you could see turning into that kind of exponential force multiplier.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, if you, if you hear the underground correctly and what some of those companies' valuations are, I mean, we have a couple of other mm-hmm. soon-to-be, quote-unquote, unicorns, right? Their valuations were such that the the companies that invested in them, the ten x, are going to get to unicorn type status as well. Yeah. So, um, it's happening. But the, do we need homegrown talent or do we need to import talent in the turn in the views of twenty five year old millennials starting companies? I I think you need both. Um, I, I don't think it has
1: to be one or the other. But if I were putting energy into this as an economic development official or as somebody with the city or somebody with the state. I I would try to do both. How do we foster our homegrown talent to do this? How do we get other folks to come here? We've got a lot of favorable things in Charlotte. The traffic is not as bad as, say, in Atlanta or in D.C. that might be in your consideration set. The affordability is very good. The climate is very good. And there's an energy in this town. It, it's very... It's very visible when folks come into this city. They're like, wow, I just, there's a feeling in the air that I that you don't necessarily expect. Um, I think when you look at the entrepreneurs that you're trying to attract to come here, it, right now the advantage isn't, hey, we've got a great thriving VC community. Definitely. There are only so many cities that actually have that, though. Mm-hmm. I think that what we do have is we've got a group of very large companies here that many successful entrepreneurs need to sell to, to become successful. And if they can somehow figure out how to get access to those companies, whether it be talent pools, feedback, mentoring, or just sell them, sell a deal, close a deal and let, and bring in this small company, this small machine learning company and be their first customer. That's so meaningful to a company. And there, there are efforts to do that. I think the Charlotte FinTech hub is a great example where, Community and city leaders and and, and local uh, company leaders as well are trying to leverage the fact that hey every every um, fintech company in the world right now is trying to part is realizing that you have to partner with these banks and we've got three or four that are very active in our community and in the fintech hub initiative. Absolutely.
0: So, how old were were you when you started Reward Summit? I was jeez. Thirty six. Okay. So 36-year-old, had been part of a startup before you Mm -hmm. were the ninth employee hired, but still kind of a bold move to go out and start your own company. Um, So you've got a few years of experience on the back end now. What do you say to a (laughs) 36-year-old John now about making that? decision that lead because I mean
1: I would say I would tell myself to do it earlier now in full disclosure I I also have launched a smart grid company um prior to reward summit so in 2010 I, I didn't fill in that blank. that's fine I actually, so, I, so I had seen it done and came in as you know not just employee number nine but literally let's start this let's yeah. go raise money um so, so I but I would even say you probably ought to do it sooner than that Um, And not necessarily that you go start something without knowing what you're starting or having the tools that you need, but spend more time and energy early in the career learning those tools and seek that out rather than a $2,000 annual raise or a title. Those things don't matter in the long run. What really matters are building your skills, building your network. And that's network in all directions. You need to build your network of people who fill in the gaps. Nobody's going to be good at everything. Yep. And and so you, you can learn about those other things, but it's even better if you can find somebody that's actually good at them, build a network of people who can help you out with funding at various stages, build a network of attorneys, build a network of, you know, there's, there's all sorts of, um, all of, you know, all, all sorts of folks along the way that you're going to need to have by your side if you're going to be successful. And I wish I had focused more on that coming out of undergrad than I, than I probably did.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's
1: why it's not until I'm 36 that I finally break out and start my own thing, right? But there's no reason you can't
0: do that a little bit a little bit earlier. Yeah, but I mean, again, you talked about earlier mm-hmm. in the previous episode about I mean the experience that yep. you'd accumulated over those 13 or 14 years were very beneficial in helping with the growth curve level. So, you know, starting at 35, 36 isn't necessarily a horrible thing because you built out some of that network effect, right? Now, you didn't sit in the ivory tower and never never step outside of it. You were actively doing stuff in the community, meeting people Absolutely. and stuff like that, which was very helpful. So, entrepreneurs in Charlotte will complain about capital. Mm-hmm. and you said it earlier that capital will find good entrepreneurs. So what advice or words of wisdom do you have for the young entrepreneur out there that needs capital and maybe hasn't built that network yet? How do they find it or how do they prepare themselves to get it?
1: Well, and and I think that was probably the point, uh, the, the overarching point of the blog post was the first step is quit making excuses. If, if people aren't investing in you today, it's not because you're in Charlotte, I, and I firmly believe that. I think if people aren't investing in you today, it's because you haven't proven that you can do it. Um, somebody who has been gone out and had a couple of successful exits before is going to have a, is not going to have to work as hard as you are to go raise money. That's not because they're in San Francisco or Palo Alto. That's just because they've had success before. If you haven't had the success, you've got to you've got to bring your concept further than somebody else does. And again, I don't think it's because you're in Charlotte. Now there's some correlation. If you're in Charlotte, you probably don't have quite the network. You probably haven't worked for a successful startup and seen it grow and everything yeah. else. But but you still, the first step is don't make that excuse. You, you need to figure out what you need to do to become investable. And usually the folks that I see who are complaining about this, it's they haven't even built the product yet. If you haven't built the first version of the product and you don't have a track record of success, you, you better have something else exceptional going on. I see folks who have built the product and that's all they've built and they don't have a team around them and nobody's, nobody, want, no VC wants to invest in that. You're, yeah. you're probably looking at more angel money and I would argue that we're, we're better in that department in many ways than we are in, in a true VC sense. Um, but I also think that people haven't spent enough time just going out and selling and getting in front of the customer. And and these are all things that, for some reason, there seems to be this mythology that if you are out west or if you're in New York, people are going to be beating a path to your door just based on your idea. And it isn't about the idea. Not that you, again, if you've if you've had two successful exits, you, you probably can raise money without yeah. with nothing more than an
0: idea. Well, it's because of the network effect, right? You've exactly. got the network bill.
2: Exactly.
0: Um, Bringing entrepreneurs to Charlotte, or bringing them out of the, the towers, if you will, mm-hmm. um, are efforts that they both take a longer time period to develop. Um, You've got a nice view out here of Charlotte out mm-hmm. uh, your window here as we sit downtown at your office. Um, there's also a little bit of money here in Charlotte mm-hmm. um, that probably could be deployed differently than it is now. I mean, there's a bunch of bunch of people that made money in real estate. Uh, there's a bunch of people that made money in the banks. Um, those are two different ways of making money than through maybe venture angel growth company investing. Sure. What do you say to those people that might be curious in this space, but that aren't actively involved in it yet? Well, I think there's a lot to say. I think my
1: experience with, with those folks through various networks where, where I've been introduced to them is, number one, what I've seen in terms for myself or for others who were pitching to these folks, yeah. and, and the questions that get asked, it's very clear that they're novices. Yeah. Um, and it's no offense to anybody. When, you, when you're just starting out, you're not going to be great at it. But I think people need to recalibrate expectations. If, if you're looking for venture capital returns, you'd better be ready to take some venture capital risks. Yep. And too often I see, I want a commercial real estate risk, but I want the venture capital premium, and that's not helping anybody. And I think if, if we're going to go about and take the path, which I think is a valid path, but if we're going to take the path that says, you know what, there aren't enough entrepreneurs here to support the level of investment, but we need to educate our investors on this. I think there needs to be a mindset, which is this takes generations and not generations, human generations, but generations of businesses. And somebody better be ready to set aside a pot of money that they're going to invest and say, hey, these aren't great entrepreneurs, but they're going to learn a lot and they're going to attract attention. And we probably aren't going to see any returns for the first or second or maybe even third generation. I I think that's the kind of like a preemptive surge that just says, you know what, we're going to give some capital to this market and really try to jumpstart things. That my suspicion is that that could be an, an approach, but if it's trying to do it while we're making money on all of these, I think it's going to be hard. Because I, would, back to my blog post, I just think the reality is there aren't enough entrepreneurs, and that's why you don't see venture venture capitals
0: uh, capitalists setting up shop here. Uh, I think it'll change though. I'm yeah, do well. I mean, that's the benefit of uh, you go back to Prager bill right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's my <laughs> new term. When a successful company exits like that, yeah. I don't want to say you have a bunch of stupid money, yeah. um, but you have more free flowing money. Yeah. It's investing in some of those folks. They're kind of throwing money at it, and yeah. then it's not successful. But they throw money in again because they still have a little bit of stupid money left. Sure. And now you've got those entrepreneurs that have learned their mistakes, right?
1: Well, I, I look at it this way: it's, again, on a much much smaller scale, what happened at Amentra and Ironworks and those being successful exits, like, not not what we all think is going to be by any stretch, but successful. Yeah, And, and people th- that would traditionally be investing in commercial real estate or, or in hedge funds or mutual funds, are they're, they're, they feel a lot more comfortable investing in something when they see somebody who has been successful. And I think you would probably see the same thing. I think, to your point, there is a lot of money. There are a lot of successful people who have had success, whether it's as a doctor or a banker. Or, or whatever they've had, it may not be in a tech company. Yeah. But if they see, oh wow, Prager's three top lieutenants just went and started this new payment processing startup. Yeah. They're going. They're maybe going to be willing to take on a little bit more risk than if it's just, hey, there's this is three kids who were at UNC Charlotte and had a great idea and have some good mentors attached to them.
0: No, that's a very valid point. It's. Uh People ex- invest in experience or success a little bit easier than they'll invest in kind of a pass the hat opportunity, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people complain about Charlotte from a as um, internal Charlotte. We don't have a research institute. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we're not a big research institution. UNC Charlotte's yeah. growing that. It's certainly a um, challenge. We don't have a you know a, a medical university. We don't have we don't have we don't have we don't, yeah. have, we don't, have, we don't have we don't have right. But we do have we do have the the banks. We have some things. What do you see as somebody that's kind of run the gamut? You ran it once on Reward summit. Mm-hmm. You pivoted into level. What do we have for the entrepreneurs out there that is beneficial, is helpful? Sure. So so I think
1: there's a, there's a couple of things. It's you can be a scrappy startup in Charlotte much more easily than you can be in a Palo Alto. Um, if if and we just signed a new lease in San Francisco for for our office because we've outgrown the old one and I can tell you we're going through the same process in Charlotte and the price per square foot is an amazing difference yeah a little
0: bit of a discount
1: a <laughs> little bit of a discount and same we're, same thing is going on in, in our Manhattan office yeah. and so I you know don't discount the fact that you don't need to raise as much money because you, you it's not as expensive yeah we we also have access to a relatively affordable and relatively educated um, uh, labor pool. Now, is it enough for an HQ2 to feel comfortable coming in? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the reports I've read suggested it might not be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, but 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 not everybody is saying I need to come in and hire fifty thousand people over the next handful of years. So I think that those are big advantages to doing business in Charlotte, and for us, it's just a very, very natural. We can hire plenty of talent here. We don't need to hire 50,000. We have maybe a hundred employees who call Charlotte home and we are nowhere near tapping out this market. And oh yeah, we also have uh, all sorts of banks, insurance companies, energy companies, uh, software, uh, Avid Exchange is a client of ours, Passport is a client of ours. Yeah. So so there are some advantages. now. You know, when it comes to research institute, when it comes to a medical university, those are very real challenges, and those are hard to overcome. Um, I think when we when we pitch Charlotte, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice to try to pitch Charlotte against a San Francisco or even a DC or a Dallas. Those are massive cities who have been established for a very long time. Um, We really probably need to be thinking the way that the Carolina Panthers do, right? Which is, this is a region. And it isn't just about one city. Charlotte's great. Raleigh's great. Columbia's great. Um, And and maybe then you start to be able to frame, okay, well, we do have research universities if we're thinking more about a corridor. And, And I can tell you a lot of folks on the East Coast who don't do business on the West Coast or aren't in Silicon Valley act like Silicon Valley and San Francisco are the same thing. And the reality is, you try to get from one side of that yeah. corridor to the other, and and you you know you'll wish you were driving to Raleigh from Charlotte. Yeah. Um, and so I you know. That, that doesn't, that, I mean, that may not be the answer. It may be that, no, we need to be completely located in Raleigh because we need access to the research university. But that's, there's only a, sm- a limited number of startups that actually require a, a research university in yep. their backyard to
0: actually be successful. Uh, you mentioned that. Um, it's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. You've grown to 170 people, and again, mm-hmm. they're not all here in Charlotte. Yep. But one of the other complaints that you hear a lot in the startup, and maybe a little bit in the angel community, is the talent pool mm-hmm. isn't there? You know, we don't have the talent here in the Charlotte area. I, I, where,
1: I, mean, do I you think it's just talent? people aren't finding it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's people don't know where to look um, for the talent because it it feels like it's there. And and again, we've we've hired. Uh, I think it's 100 people with a Charlotte address. Yeah, and, and, and we keep hiring. And I mean, it's, it's going to change. We'll hit a tipping point where less than half of our people work in Charlotte. But yeah. it's never going to be because we've run out of great people to hire. I think a lot of the people in Charlotte don't necessarily that are trying to start companies aren't. They probably don't realize what it takes to attract tech talent, and and and, and I tell people when you when you're set, when you're trying to convince somebody to come start a company with you or to join your early stage company and come build things, the messaging needs to be: look, you're working at the bank or you're working at the insurance company or the energy company or whatever big fortune you know one of the retailers. You're a cost center. That's what you are to that company. Yeah. Join my startup that is a tech startup and you will be a driver of revenue. You are the product. You are in the driver's seat. And if you have that mindset, it becomes very easy to hire people because developers want to work around talented developers where they're valued, where they're actually building products, where they're getting things done. And I just don't know I wonder if the reason that people complain about the lack of talent is because they aren't framing the conversation the right way. Chris and I are both developers by trade, and we just find it very easy to hire other developers, even developers who are working on things that we've never worked on. They can sense it that, hey, this is a developer-friendly company. This yep. is a designer-friendly company. This is you know a technologist-friendly company.
0: Easier to do it today because you got... Um, you've got the brand recognition you have the contracts you're hiring for specific stuff how was it when it was you know your fifth hire and your sixth hire? same um, sure same it was it was
1: harder for sure they didn't know who we were but most of them were coming from somebody connected more closely to our network so we had we had a benefit
0: there so you you go back to the network effect right you go back to
1: the network effect but 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 you're absolutely right it's we are able to hire people now that we would have never had a chance to hire when we were first starting out. And so it is, there is a chicken and egg there. If you've never worked around technology, closely with the technology team, it's gonna be hard to figure out how to make that happen. And I'm working on a blog post right now about, just talks about the need for a technical co-founder or an early stage CTO, and it's a a tricky one. There are success stories who didn't have a technical co-founder. But yep. most of them will tell you this would have been way easier if I had somebody by my side that I trusted that understood this technology landscape.
0: Yeah, no. Um, and I think that's that's probably where money helps out a little bit more. Is mm-hmm. if they're, um, I
1: agree with that. If, if I if I'm coming to you and you can't, you know, if you, if you have to throw money at the problem, yeah, then then that's a, that's a better option yeah. than
0: than no other option. So mm. m- money's going to Help grease the wheels in Charlotte, and uh, you know one of the things you and I discussed a couple of weeks ago when we had lunch is that we need entrepreneurs and we mm-hmm. need we need money to become more free, um, and they have to run a race, right? One mm-hmm. of them can't blow the other one out the door, mm-hmm. and the money. I think mean, you know we've talked about it. The money will come, mm-hmm. and the entrepreneurs will come. They're both in the process of emerging from within Charlotte mm-hmm. or moving to charlotte um where do you see this startup ship that is charlotte over the course of the next we'll take a shorter term approach than maybe i did with level uh, 2020 um, type one to two year type place
1: i think that it will and ignore ignore pragerville for a second yeah well ignore pragerville because that's the x factor right I, I, my my firm belief is over the next couple of years it's going to continue to grow at an evolutionary pace. Um, I I do think that is I, I think that there will be small pops as there are small continued small exits. So I talk about the big exits how they create, you know, they create revolutionary change. Yeah. Um, but I think you'll continue to see smaller exits, which they do. Those will create small quantum leaps where okay I've got three people now who. Who were at, you know, successful XYZ company, and are now looking for their next thing. More people are going to take a bet, and so it'll grow faster. But I don't know that that's happening over the next two years. I think yeah. when I look out two years, it'll continue. To, people will have to continue taking inspiration from the Napa things and the Pacers and the
0: Deal you know, Cloud. brought yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. is yeah. another great one. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: you know, it they'll have to take the inspiration from that, and and. And, and we'll keep having things like Packard Place, and we'll keep having efforts like Charlotte Angel Fund, and we'll keep having effort. And they're all chipping away and making progress in, in their own way. But I think it's going to continue to be evolutionary until you have that one real catalyst or
0: two real catalysts. So kind of as we wrap up here, mm-hmm. I, mean, I think one of the things that's helped, uh, this seems like it holds back, is we don't promote it as much, right? Mm-hmm. I and mean, we go back to the first conversation that we had um, Sure. Levels kind of underground, map anything. There was a story when they raised money, but there's been nothing else. Passport kind our, of flew under the radar. Our, our neighbor here, Heels.com, one of yeah. the most successful e-commerce companies of all time, now owned by Aldo, and nobody yeah. knows who they are, right? Why can't we promote success here outside of the Panthers, Bank of America, and Duke? What's the challenge within Charlotte of you know celebrating those successes? I, I don't really know the answer to that. To Why be not? honest, there's there's there's
1: certain circles that do celebrate those, yeah. but they don't. They just aren't. It's hard, right? If you've got a top ten bank in the world, or top three bank, or top two bank, depending on how you count it, in the yeah. country, it's hard to divert attention from that. When you've got a, a, a one of the most powerful energy companies in the world yeah. in, in your backyard, it's hard not to pay attention to those. You know, if you had a, it's hard to detect a planet outside of a a large star because it's just so overpowered by it. And, yeah. and maybe that's the reason that we don't lionize it, but but it's why I'm bullish on like the big council and Packard place. And, um, you know, there's efforts that are trying to raise awareness. And again, you know, they move at an evolutionary It's I think all of that changes with Pragerville. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. We coined a new term here today. So um, awesome. Well, I mean, I think um, part of that, You know, we've named some other ones, but part of that success story is where we sit today, which is level. So, Mm -hmm. um, y'all have done a great job of building this company, um, and certainly look forward to watching its growth within the context of the startup world over the course of the next one, two, three years as well. So, great, and we hope to help
1: the next world-beating company too. That's homegrown. Yeah, we've got a few. We probably have five or six local startups that we're that that we're working with. That we, you know, we we, we're always hopeful that we're working with that next one.
0: Yeah. who makes the big change for the community. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sitting down with me today. Thanks for being a contributor back to the startup community as well. Um, and then certainly best of luck over the course of the next couple of years as you continue to grow this thing out. Thank you,
1: I appreciate so, it. So Cool. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Great interview with John. Again, a large, a large focus on what's, what's going on in the Charlotte Entrepreneur community. Or, you know, where does it stand? I thought we touched base on some some really cool pieces. And again, I'd I'd like to hone in on, on why we don't talk more about those those successes of Avid and Passport and Deal Cloud and Map Anything and Um and and Red Ventures and the other things over the course of the next couple of years. I mean movement mortgage too, right? I mean, we've got a boatload of, got a boatload of successes here, and it just doesn't seem like like they get the traction that they should. And maybe if Charlotte figured out a way to self-promote a little bit more, it, it carry its way a little bit further and, and, and seep into other aspects of the entrepreneur ecosystem that so many folks here are invested in and in helping grow. So I thought John did a really, really nice job of, of talking around and through a, a bunch of different topics. Um, his insight's valuable, Again, he's done it before. They're building a nice company. And I think they'll be a part of the Charlotte business community as they've mostly grown out of the Charlotte startup community. Um, They're becoming a a big factor in the Charlotte business community, and they will be a supporter and cheerleader of the Charlotte entrepreneur community for many, many, many years into the future. So certainly I hope you enjoyed today's podcast on the Charlotte Angel Connection.
2: William Bissett is an investment advisor representative with Seacrest Blakey & Associates, a registered investment advisor. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Seacrest Blakey & Associates. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Seacrest Blakey & Associates does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interests may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under the Securities Act and a qualified purchaser as defined in Section 2A, Paragraph 51, Line A under the Company Act or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.